most valuable commodity I know of is information. Wouldn't you agree? I got five dollars. This is a run to the left. How many tackles can one man break? You're saying that humans need fantasy to make life bearable. Humans need fantasy to be human. My goodness, that was good. You guys are pros. Relentless, refusing to give up. All right, hit that horn, babe. Let's dance. What's up, everybody, and welcome to the Fantasy Flex Podcast. I am your host, Chris Raybon, joined as always by one of the top fantasy football rankers in the game, Sean Kerner. And today we're going to be talking all about running backs. We're going to go through the top 12 running backs by ADP. What up, Sean? What's up, man? I am hyped. First week of real preseason this week. Next week, we're actually going to the Rams-Texans game, so the next couple weeks are going to be very exciting. And running back, like, this is one of my favorite positions to talk about every year, so super hyped about today's pod. And uh, before we get into it, uh, we have a contest winner. You get a free uh, year of action pro, Irvin875. So congratulations, and thank you for the kind words and a review. You can hit up podcast at actionnetwork.com. To claim your free year of Action Pro, which of course comes with our rankings and projections. If you like the show, be sure to leave us a five star. We'll pick the best one each week to give you a free year of Action Pro. So stay tuned for that. Let's jump right into these running backs. And uh, I guess it's worth revisiting, Sean, before we jump in. Uh, like, what's your approach at running back? heading into this year is it are you going kind of for the hero running back are you going for the zero running back like any of those strategies are you just kind of taking what the draft gives you how are you going about it yeah i don't adhere to any one specific <laughs> buzzword strategy i let the draft come to me it it really does depend on your draft slot uh when it comes to the running back position how i approach it i do let it come to me and you know the the first couple rounds like you definitely want to get a workhorse back. So I'm not opposed to taking them, but the running back, those kind of running backs are very fragile where if they get hurt, it really screws you over. Um, And that's why running back has so much volatility. It's it's the position that takes the most hits every game. So it's the most likely to get hurt. Um, So that's why I do thrive on taking these mid round to late round running backs. I have my running back upside chart out this week where you can get, running backs that are anti-fragile that benefit on the chaos and their value can really only go up if the starter misses time. So I'm confident my ability to kind of get late round value stash kind of like injury upside backs. So that's why I'm, you know, I don't just go all in on running back early on. Um, I do prefer, you know, to get like a elite wide receiver in round one, if I can help it, because that position, it just, it's way tougher to get guys like that later on that can produce like a wide receiver two or even wide receiver one. It's even tougher to find guys on the waiver wire in season. You just don't have that baked in upside. If a, you know, a teammate were to go down, you take the backup. You don't have that luxury wide receiver. So I do like to attack wide receiver early on, but again, I'm not opposed to take a workhorse back early in the draft. Yeah. You and I uh, recently spoke with Jeff Ratcliffe. That podcast is out now. And we kind of talked about how, you know, there is a drop off at wide receiver, I think, after those first like nine, 10 guys. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I do think it's important to get a wide receiver one here. So uh, but let's talk about these running backs and, you know, which ones we 
you know, would still take early on, which ones maybe uh, we'd rather kind of forego for a wide receiver. We're starting with Jonathan Taylor. He's at the top of pretty much every draft board. Uh, I guess, I mean, the question when you have a, a guy coming off a season like this, how much regression is coming? Uh, and are you concerned at all about the 372 touches we have seen in the past? You know, running backs put up these massive touch counts, uh, and it's tough to kind of do it back to back. Yeah, I mean, it's going to be tough for him to match last year's numbers, but it doesn't mean that you shouldn't take him the first running back off the board or even the first overall. So we should see some regression. I think one of the sneaky areas where we could see some regression with him is the Colts led the league in time and possession with the lead last year. So unless you think they're going to be, you know, runaway Super Bowl favorites, I don't know why they would lead the league in time possession of the lead again this year. So they could have slightly more trailing game scripts be a little bit more pass heavy, which would hurt Jonathan Taylor because he doesn't really provide much receiving upside. So if they are trailing a bit more, we would see more Naheem Hines, less carries overall. So I think that's where there might be some sneaky regression or in just, just injury luck in general. I guess apparently he's never missed a practice, a game or anything in high school, college or the NFL, which is remarkable to think about. And it says about him, maybe he's just really durable um, you know, running back, but uh, either way, like you can't escape injury in the NFL. So um, he, he's not going to be injury proof his entire career. So that's another area we might see some regression, but either way, he's still the number one back overall, still think he's going to just, you know, outperform everybody when he's healthy. So he still warrants the first overall pick. Yeah. I do think, you know, you'll see some more Naeem Hines in, in passing situations, but I mean, the Colts, they still play in that division with Jacksonville, Houston, yep. Tennessee. So that's kind of why they always have all these leads. Definitely have an easy schedule. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah, I have no nothing real, no real hold of poking Taylor. You know, the only thing is you just hope he can continue to, to kind of withstand uh, the beating. But he has he has so far. Uh, I think the offensive yep. line is still pretty solid. Uh, and I think they actually got an upgraded quarterback uh, as well. So, yep, <laughs> <laughs> that might help. Austin Eckler is now the number two running back uh, in ADP. That's kind of interesting. I, I love Eckler. I mean, every year I, I feel like he gets underdrafted until now. Uh, I mean, he averaged 17.3 touches per game last <laughs> year. Is that enough for his running back to ADP? Yeah, so he, he only averaged 12.9 rush attempts per game last season, which isn't great if you're taking a guy in the top three, you know, but when it comes to, you know, high value touches or just usage. He was elite. Uh, he had 14 rush attempts inside the five yard line, which ranked fourth last year. Um, so he, that was kind of a surprise to me. So he is their goal line back. He's going to have, you know, touch on upside again this year. Um, he led the league in routes run inside the 10 yard line. So he has touchdown usage in the passing game as well. Um, and he ranked second in targets for running backs with 93. So you know, when it comes to, to receptions and usage around the goal line, you know, he's elite in every level. So if, if he's not getting, you know, a carry on their own 30 yard line for four yards, does that really kill you? Probably not. Um, so I, I think that running back two is probably steep. I think I would rather take CMC there, but certainly Eckler should be a top three just based on the touches he is getting. So I wouldn't let his, you know, they, they like to limit his rushing usage. A bit, I wouldn't let that scare you away from him. He's still getting high value touches in one of the most dynamic and high scoring offenses in the league. So that's kind of why you're taking Eckler. Yeah, I remember, you know, last couple of years, I was saying 
Eckler is kind of like a baby Christian <laughs> McCaffrey. Like you can, yeah. you could have got him later and he, look what he did last year. He gave you Christian McCaffrey numbers essentially in a little bit different way, but uh, all in all, I mean, he was, he was right there in that, in that top three. Now I can get McCaffrey after Eckler. So now I feel like, you know, now I'm off of him, not like off of him as in like, oh, I, I'm down on him. But I mean, RB2, like you said, I, I still think Christian McCaffrey deserves to be above him. I mean, you could make a case for, um, you know, Derek Henry. Uh, mm-hmm. you know, I think Najee Harris is even, you know, kind yeah. of in that conversation as well, just because of the snaps, because this Chargers offense is going to be good, but. They got a like they got a lot of different, you know, guys that can score the ball. They they've been wanting to get another running back involved, you know, to take some of the pressure mm-hmm. off of him. He had a career high uh 206 carries last year and the 12 touchdowns. I mean, he had one touchdown the year before rushing. Yeah. Uh, you know, so I just see a little bit too wide of a range of outcomes for pick number 2. Mm-hmm. I think that, you know, Last year was the year to draft back where you got, you could get him like, you know, 11th, 12th and look what he did. He finished. Are you worried about Isaiah Spiller at all? No, worried is the wrong word. I just think that there's kind of like with Debo Samuel, when you have a player getting this usage um, and it's, it's, you know, it could be in the passing game. It could be in the run game. You know, he had 12 rushing touchdowns last year after having one year before that just shows you the, the kind of range of outcomes that we're dealing with, uh, with this player. And so at number two, I just rather takes somebody uh, with a little bit less of a wide range of outcomes. Mm-hmm. And I think, I think you could make a case for McCaffrey, Henry, uh, Harris, Cook. I mean, I, I just feel better about those guys at number two or, or just, you know, Cooper Cup, Justin Jefferson. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, and McCaffrey is number three. And I mean, we talk about this all the time and it's, it's like projecting missed games is it's, it's foolish. Like it's every, every running back has a chance to get hurt. You can't really overrate uh, a running back's chances of missing games or you can't underrate it either. But I feel like people are kind of sleeping on McCaffrey a little bit, you know, bumping him behind Eckler. So, I mean, how much are you kind of um, factoring in his, his recent injuries? Uh, none really. I think that's why you get him at a discount. And I understand the concern. He's, he's only played 10 of the past 33 games. You know, how can you trust him? Um, but I think you you made a good point. Like when it comes to, you know, injury concerns or anything, I only take that into account when the guy's actually hurt. Um, we just have to assume if if a guy is 100% healthy, there's no reason to think, you know, he's an injury risk. Uh, we did that last year with Saquon Barkley, who was actually limping into the season. That's why we were fading him. He was already hurt. But with Christian McCaffrey being 100% healthy right now, there's no reason to think that he'll play less games than other running backs. So I'm really not docking him at all when it comes to missed games. Um, plus, you know, he's a good pass catching back. The Panthers are probably going to be pretty bad this year. So he, they're going to have plenty of negative game scripts. That helps McCaffrey. I do think they might use Deontay Foreman and Chuba Hubbard possibly to kind of limit uh, the less important carries. Like I was talking about Austin Eckler, they might limit his usage, uh, usage on their own 30 or something like that with those guys. But I don't really think they're going to eat into the, the high value touches that we've seen from him. So when he's been healthy, he's still been a top back. So that's why I'm not shying away at all. If anything, we just get him at a discount this year. Yeah. And he should be fresh. I mean, he's 36. (laughs) So he's got maybe a couple years left in his prime, but he had those 403 touches in, uh, what was it? 2019. And then Mm -hmm. he's only had about 200 the last two years. So uh, he should be fresh, you know, one for one, you know, 
Equa versus McCaffrey. Give me McCaffrey yep. this year. Um, and now, we, and, and then Derrick Henry, speaking of injuries, I mean, he was uh. indestructible. I mean, we were projecting <laughs> him for like, you know, what, 16 games played, which is like unheard of yeah, for a running back. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, of course, he, you know, messes up his foot, misses eight games. But I feel like people might still be underestimating him. Again, it's kind of like McCaffrey. Like, this man, Derrick Henry, averaged 27.4 carries per game. Like, that's, if he, like, no one's coming close to that. You Like, even Jonathan Taylor, I feel like, is not going to sniff that. So, I mean, can he do it for a full season? We've seen him do it before. Uh, I, I have no real issue with, with Henry. I know he's not going to get a lot of pass game usage, but, I mean, the Titans are really going to have to lean on him this year. They, they traded A.J. Brown. You know, they got some, you know, Working in essentially a whole new receiving core, what do you think they're going to do? They're just going to hand it to, the, to Henry over and over. Yeah, absolutely. He's still the Derrick Henry we know and love. And I've kind of made it a point to be higher on Derrick Henry than ADP ever since the DeMarco Murray days. Uh, but this year, I'm right in line. And one of the things with Derrick Henry, we always knew he had a high floor. He was a safe high floor play. There is some concern now. I mean, he's, what, 28 years old now? Um, so in this day and age, that's really tough to expect a guy to continue having this massive workload and be efficient. I think, you know, he's still going to see a massive workload without A.J. Brown there. They're going to have to run the ball just as much, if not more than before. I do worry that, you know, not having A.J. Brown there is going to take away from some of the suspense that they might throw a deep or something. So teams can probably key in on Derrick Henry and slow him down. And last year, we did finally start to see him decline a bit. And the yards per carry was 4.3. He only averaged 0.05, uh, you know, expected yards over carry, according to next-gen stats. So we have start, we, we've seen a little bit of a decline, but either way, it's going to be offset with just a massive volume. Um, so I do still like him at RB5, but just compared to last, you know, the last few seasons, he does have more concerns than we're used to. And I guess I jinxed it last year by saying he's indestructible. And, you know, I... He's the only player I was projecting for more than 60 game play. So that was probably my fault for finally jinxing him, but he's still going to be very durable. And last year's injury was kind of a fluke. Um, so I'm still okay taking him RB5. Fun fact about Derrick Henry. <laughs> oh yeah, let me hear it. If he averages less than 27.4 carries per game this year, it'll be the first time in his career he's ever gone down in carries per game compared to the previous year. 7.3, 11, 13.4, 20 <laughs> 23.6, 27.4. And I feel like the Titans, they have to hand it to him even more. I mean, defenses have always been keying in on him. Um, but yeah, you're right. You know, the age 27 is kind of that peak age. You know, now he'll be 28 this year. Um, but, you know, again, could be a little fresher. Only only played those nine games last year, eight plus the, the one in the playoffs. So. <laughs> Not that it matters with him, but he was on pace to double his career high in receptions last year. Um, so it would be, that's been the only flaw in his game is his lack of receiving usage. But last year he did, you know, he saw a spike in passing work and receptions and things like that. So that'd be interesting if they do phase him more in the receiving game, that would help uh, his fantasy value even more. So that, that was just interesting to see that last year he was on pace to shatter careers high in reception uh, yards. And, uh, well, he didn't score a touchdown, but he never does. But either way, if his receiving issues spikes up, like we haven't seen his ceiling yet. Yeah. And that's scary. So yeah, <laughs> that would be scary. 
No issues with uh, with Derrick Henry. I feel like Najee Harris could be the new Derrick Henry, though. I yeah. mean, all we need is the efficiency because the usage, I mean, <laughs> yeah. if there's a guy to challenge, I mean, it, you know, it's probably between Taylor, Henry, and I would say Najee Harris for that league lead in, in carries. You know, running backs, we talk about this a lot. When you're modeling running backs, um, there's not going to be a lot of variance from, you know, it, it's going to be around four yards per carry for most guys, most guys. Um, you know, do you think his efficiency can improve? He only averaged 3.9 yards per carry last year uh, and only 6.3 per reception. But I mean, the, the usage was there. Yeah, I would I would expect the efficiency to only improve because it was pretty bad last year. It's not his fault. Um, he suffered from poor offensive line play. And unfortunately, this offensive line will still be one of the worst in the league. So we can't really project him for Derrick Henry level efficiency, but certainly volume. I think you made a good point. Like, I think he's the new Derrick Henry um, and he's Derrick Henry with pass catching upside. You know, we can project him most weeks to get three or four receptions. So um, he just has massive volume upside and the efficiency. If it were to go up, that'd be a bonus. But either way, uh, you're, you're taking him based on expected volume. So I like him at RB5 right behind Derrick Henry. You know, the pass game snaps are, are always nice. I think they could actually go down a little bit. I mean, Big Ben was just checked down like a check down machine, um, you know, last year. So I think, you know, they, they drafted a couple of wide receivers. They got Fryer moved that tight end. Maybe they try to, you know, give him a little breather with the, with the pass down uh, snaps here and there. But either way, I mean, I still think he can be kind of like a, a, a Derrick Henry volume in that neighborhood and he'll, he'll still catch, you know, more balls way more balls than Derrick Henry. Yeah, exactly. I'm still comfortable with taking Najee Harris over pretty much any wide receiver, but, um, but, but Cup and Jefferson, you know, if I'm, if I'm kind of in that middle, uh, maybe Jamar Chase, you know, I I don't mind it, but um, Cup and Jefferson are probably the only two guys I'd, I'd feel good about taking over, over Najee and this, this tier right here. Yeah. And how about the uh, Steelers talking about, they were going to lighten his volume a bit. Have you looked into that a little bit more? Are they talking about actual touches? or playing time where they take him off the field in situations where he's not even getting the ball. So they specifically said kind of like they want to take him off the field for snaps when he wouldn't get touches. Yeah. So okay. Pass, you know, pass blocking work, but even you better. Know, if, it's, if you're off the field, like there's going to, you're going to probably, he's going to run up. Like I, I would bet he doesn't run. What did he run? Like a route on 66% of yeah. the dropbacks. I would, I'm projecting that more in, you know, at round 55, 60, I, I would, okay. I would bet he takes a little bit of a dip, but uh, I still think the carries will be there uh, for him. Okay. Yeah. That's, that's kind of how it's projected. I just want to follow up because I haven't heard any details on that, but that's, that's what I assumed at least. Yeah. I mean, it's kind of the same same deal is as uh, as McCaffrey as Henry. It's like the Steelers need to make this dude their centerpiece. Like it's yeah. You got Trubisky, you got Rudolph, you got Pickett. You know, a bunch of a couple of rookie wide receivers. Yep. I mean, just a young squad all around, uh, and a bad offensive line. So like they, they Najee Harris is going to get fed. Um, I think the floor is very high, and the ceiling is just high because of the volume. Like mm-hmm. you know, maybe he gets lucky and gets a couple of, like bust a 90 yard runner or, or two, and then, yep. you know, have a whole different conversation. Um, Dalvin cook. Now this is why I like this, this top tier of running backs again, outside of cup and Jefferson, I still feel good about them because I mean, Dalvin cook slipping all the way to RB six. I mean, that's, that, that's pretty good. I mean, do you think he's peaked at all or is he due for some, uh, some positive touchdown regression? He only had six on, 
283 touches last year. Yeah, he. I mean, he might have peaked. Uh, he's what? Tw- he's going to be 27 this year, so he's probably on the tail end of his prime, obviously. But when you watched him last year, there was times he still looked like one of the top backs in the league, and he still is. Um, so I, I still like him this year. Like you said, I think RB6 is a steal for him. And yeah, I think we'll see some positive touchdown regression. Um, he saw 15 rush attempts inside the five last year and only scored on three of those. Typically, you'd expect a running back to score about 6.5 touchdowns. Um, so about three and a half touchdowns below expectation. You would expect an above average running back like Dalvin Cook to actually be better than average. Better than average. So yeah, we, we can absolutely expect some positive touchdown regression. This offense might be better this year. Mm-hmm. Um, they've been using him more as like if they line him up as a wide receiver. So if they're getting him more involved in the passing game, that was kind of my only concern with them last year was his, his receiving usage seemed like it dipped a little bit. But if they're going to get him more involved in the passing game, then yeah, he's going to be a steal at RB6. He is one of those guys where you kind of expect him to miss a few games every year. I don't think he's played more than 14 games in a season. But when he is on the field, He's certainly going to be, you know, every week sort of top five back. So I think you you're getting quite a bit of value on him at RB six this year. Yeah, I you know, and I like I really like this, you know, the prospects for this offense with Kevin O'Connell. Like I don't yeah. think it can be understated, you know, just how much Mike Zimmer. Like Mike Zimmer is kind of like he Carroll in a way. You know, it's like <laughs> uh, a coach who just has a certain mentality about how to play the game that's not really conducive to fully opening up the offense. So I think Dalvin Cook could really benefit now. I mean, the defense is probably more worried about Justin Jefferson than Dalvin Cook at this point. And, uh, you know, Kirk Cousins has been playing well. And remember, O'Connell's the dude who gave Cam Akers, what, he banged him into the wall 27 <laughs> times? With yeah. One game back from an Achilles injury. Yeah. Like 48 yards, 24 carries in the playoffs against Tampa Bay of all teams, too. Right. So, like, if he's doing that with Cam Akers, I feel like he has a lot in store for, for Dalvin Cook. You know, I think the upside for the running back in this offense, if you go back when Todd Gurley was really, really good, um, that would mm-hmm. sort of be his upside. You know, really good pass catching back and, you know, goal line opportunities. So, I would just look at Todd Gurley's uh, what, 2017, 2018, that range to see Dalvin Cook's upside in this scheme. Yeah, and this is, you know, those six running backs, Taylor, Eckler, CMC, Henry, Harris, Cook, like, I think all have a great shot at being the top player in fantasy this year. Or, yeah. you know, and, and obviously the top running back. Um, you know, so those are the guys that, you know, if it's not a cup, if it's not a, a Justin Jefferson, probably um, going to have one of those six guys if I'm taking in the top eight, if I'm drafting in the top eight. It starts to get a little bit dicier with Joe Mixon because we know he's just not going to, you know, be a full, full on passing, you know, three down back. Like they, they tried to use him last year uh, on more passing downs and it just didn't really work out. And I mean, you know, we, we kind of we could joke around about and it, and it hurt, you know. In the Super Bowl, watching P. Ryan getting those oh my God. touches, you have to bring this up every episode. Yeah, it's now I, a I rule. It's like it's like the Gio <laughs> Bernard. P. Ryan is our new mm. Gio Bernard. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. Uh, but I still think that that is going to be a little bit of a of a limiting factor. So he's kind of he's just a very high end uh, two down back. But that's where it starts, you know, feeling dicey. As in, like I don't know if I feel like Joe Mixon 
has the same like RB one overall potential that I feel for those guys in the top six. And, you know, I do feel that way about Jamar Chase, uh, I, I, you know, Devontae Adams, Travis Kelsey, guys like that. So um, probably where I'm starting to pivot away from running back um, if I'm staring at Mixon. Um, but, but what have you done when, when you, you're up and uh, Mixon's a top player on the board? Yeah, I mean, there's certainly a teardrop at this point. Um, I still like Mixon. If you can get him at the end of round one, if he falls that far, go for it because he's still a high floor play. Mm-hmm. Everything you said is correct where he's limited as a receiver, but that's fine. And this season, I think the improved offensive line is going to help Mixon out considerably. Uh, this Bengals team's really good now, so we can expect more positive game scripts, which would help Mixon um, just he's going to thrive in those kind of game scripts to begin with. And he still has massive touchdown upside in this offense. So I think there's just based on Mixon's game, the, the team is shaping up really well for him this year. And again, that this offensive line is going to be so much better this year. So his efficiency could go up. His usage could go up at least in rush attempts. So despite the concerns on the receiving end, I still like his floor. Yeah. And you know, his carries per game have been so consistent, you know, between pretty much 16 and 19, even going back to the last year with Marvin Lewis, yeah. you know, then two and 14 with Zach Taylor or Super Bowl with Zach Taylor. He, the usage has always been pretty consistent. So he is a very, uh, very high floor play there. You know, the range of outcomes are, are, are small. So can't, I, I never hate on that, but um, just as a first round pick, it's like, it's not as exciting as those yeah. top six. I think <laughs> there's definitely a teardrop and definitely a spot where you want to start thinking about, uh, wide receivers, depending on who's on yep. the board. Uh, running back eight. Here we go. Here Nick we Chubb. go. Nick Chubb. I, it's time. I feel like, <laughs> I don't know. I feel like RB8, I don't, I don't want, I hate, I hate uh, getting on Nick Chubb, but I, I feel like RB8's a little high. I mean, <laughs> I, <laughs> yeah, I know. I, <laughs> right? Is like, it, okay. I'm not crazy. No, right? I'm not going to get, unless, okay, first of all, before we dive in, what do you have his yards per carry at right now? Go. Ah, like high four still. I think I not. I think I'm still under five. Let me uh, let me double oh, check. Man. <laughs> Bump it up to at least five. <laughs> Give me five. Hey, hey, five you could have said that about Henry last year, and look what happened. And I didn't Chubb, say that about Henry. Yeah, no, I'm but... saying you could have. You could. Oh yeah. <laughs> but look, I mean, he yeah. is. He's another guy that's turned in 27. He's still got your boy yeah. Kareem Hunt there, and like they, they kind of lucked out that they were both hurt at different top various points last year. Um, so I, again, high floor guy, but can he finish as the RB one overall? Eh, I don't see it. Yeah, no, I think RB eight is way too expensive for him. That would be if uh cream hunt is traded away. Mm-hmm. I, I would say Nick Chubb's ceiling is around RB seven. When uh cream hunt is out of the lineup, I would project, Chubb as the RB7, so RB8, like, you're already closer to his ceiling. Um, so given Kareem Hunt is still there, yeah, like, RB13 would sound about right. And I have his yards per carry at 5.1 this year, so I'm much closer to you. Um, the offensive line should still be legit, but they did lose J.C. Treader, um, so that could hurt the O-line a bit. Nick Chubb's getting older, um, so there's there's various factors where I think that, you know, he could start to decline this year. But yeah, very limited in the you know receiving game. So he, he doesn't have that high of a ceiling. So yeah, RB8 seems a little too high. This is when I'm definitely attacking wide receiver or if like a Mark Andrews is around as opposed to investing in Nick Chubb because I'd rather get Kareem Hunt way later. 
um, who offers a, a higher ceiling than Nick Chubb even. So, um, yeah, I'm even though I love Nick Chubb, I think he's one of the best pure runners in the league. I think RBA is way too high for me right now. Yeah, I got him at yeah, 4.8, but he's my RB12. So I'm pretty much in line with you. Yeah. You, know, you said 13. I think this is this is wide receiver territory. Yep. Um, you know, for me, nothing against Chubb. And, and I'm listen, I, I also should mention looks like Deshaun Watts is gonna miss at least those first six games of the year. Mm-hmm. They have a very easy schedule. So he's a great, you could draft him and sell high. And he might oh, actually, yeah. his ceiling might be higher than RB7 for those first six weeks with Jacoby Brissett because they're probably just going to run the shit out of ball. Yeah, they face, you mentioned the schedule, the first four games are against the Panthers, Jets, Steelers, and Falcons. So yeah, they can be a run-heavy team and probably start 4-0. Yeah. Um, so yeah, love the idea of maybe, well, again, I rather draft a receiver in this range, but if you do end up with Nick Chubb, um, yeah, I would consider trading him away after that amazing stretch, uh, because his value will probably peak at that time. But I, I think this cream hunt situation, we'll see what happens, but I, I think that his ADP is going up because of that. But again, there's, there's just not much more room to go up at RB eight. Yeah. I mean, after those four games, I mean, before you trade him away, check to see if the, the Chargers run defense is still broken. Oh, yeah, that's true. That's probably <laughs> another easy match. They got a lot of talent on that team, yeah. but, you know, they, they have that kind of philosophy that yeah. like, tends to give up the run even when they do have decent players. So, you know, something, something to keep in mind if you <laughs> if Chubb finds, his, you know, is in your plans or, or you're higher on him than uh, we are. RB9 is DeAndre Swift. And... Now, now running back starting to get a little dicey. I, I love Swift. I mean, as a player, but you know, he's kind of like, I mean, his usage profile actually is not very different from Eckler. So that's yeah. that's interesting. Like, you know, if you can kind of figure out a way to get a receiver up high and then somehow get get Swift, you know, in, in the middle of the the second. Um, you know, he doesn't always fall that far, but that, that's an interesting strategy. I mean, he averaged 11.6 carries per game last year. Um, he, he was on the field for about two thirds of the passing down snaps, which is really high for a running back. So I'm projecting him for similar usage this year, about 11 and a half carries per game, about 60% uh, of the passing down snaps, but got one of the NFL's best offensive lines this year. I mean, I, I really don't see a weakness on that offensive line. So if there's anybody that could, um, you, you know, do it with a, a little bit, you know, less, uh, you know, volume than, than you'd expect. I think DeAndre Swift is actually in a good spot this year. I know we were fading him on prize picks a ton last year, but. <laughs> well, because um, like he was hurt, but. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But yeah, I, mean, I feel like his rushing prop was always too high. And then he had yeah. like, he had like a couple of big games and everything was under 50 yards, but. Yeah, I, I, I don't know. I'm, I feel solid about Swift this year, but it just I, I'm not really excited to draft a running back in this spot. What about you? Yeah, no, I like the Austin Eckler comp. I think that's very fair because um, obviously he has massive uh, receiving upside and they, they like using him around the goal line. So that's all we really care about when it comes to running back. Um, he hasn't really been able to stay healthy for a full season. So I think he has top five upside if he can mm-hmm. stay healthy. And again, like he's healthy going into the season. So I have no reason to believe he won't stay healthy. And they, we were only attacking his props because he was playing through injury last year. But uh, yeah, I love him in this range. I, I think that he does offer upside at least 
in this range. And we're, we're kind of high on this Lions offense as a whole. Yes. Um, if they have guys going downfield like DJ Chark or uh, Jamison Williams, like that, that might actually open up things for Swift for Goff to just dump it off to him. And there's less defenders around. Like I think Swift can thrive in either game script. He had that one game where he had 33 rush uh, attempts for 130 yards, or he can rack up 10 plus catches. So I just love his profile where, um, yeah, he doesn't really have any flaws in his game other than he's not getting those carries on their own 30. Uh, so, yeah, he, he's kind of like Austin Eckler, who you can get, like, sometimes in the second round. So I, I do love where he's going. Yeah, and I love, you know, for a back like this, because I think that was the same thing, you know, people, and I thought it was so silly. People used to say, like, can Eckler handle a workload? And, like, yeah. I was like yeah, this dude is, like, one of the strongest dudes in the league, like, if you didn't know. But I, I look at that game, the infamous uh, tie game against the Pittsburgh Steelers, which was just a, a crazy game. Uh, Swift carried the ball 33 times in that game for 130 yeah, so He has that upside yeah. for sure. He can handle it. Yeah. So, you know, I don't mind him there, especially, like I said, if, you, if you're up early in a draft and maybe you want to go all in on Cooper Cup or Justin Jefferson, and then um, you're probably not going to get Swift coming around the other mm-hmm. side, but um, maybe if you're a little more toward the middle, um, you can make it work with, with, uh, with, with the receiver and then swift in, in the, you know, early to mid second. I, I think, you know, this is, it really starts to get even dicier after swift. I mean, RB 10, you got Aaron Jones and, you know, I love Aaron Jones. I feel like people wrote him off like two years too soon. <laughs> AJ Dillon was drafted and everyone thinks Aaron Jones is on the outs, but it's still, uh, you have to think about range of outcomes, right? Like, there's still a scenario where you draft Aaron Jones at RB10 and he doesn't lead this team in, in touches. Like that, yeah. like that's not out of the question. I'm not, I'm saying he's, I still think he's the favorite for touches because I expect him to really ramp it up in the past game with Green Bay losing Devontae Adams. But I, I do think it's kind of dicey. And I'm looking at our projections and you and I both have AJ Dillon projected for uh, a handful of more carries than Aaron Jones. So that, that never makes you feel good this high um, at, at running back. Yeah, like I, I could certainly make a case he should be the 10th running back off the board, but this is where running backs seem kind of fragile, where there is some downside to taking this early. Again, that, that this is when you're still able to take one of those elite wide receivers. And then I, I kind of like taking A.J. Dillon a lot later. Um just kind of buying in on that anti-fragility with A.J. Dillon. But mm-hmm. uh, Aaron Jones, whenever Devontae Adams has been out of the lineup, he's been insane, right? Like, I think he put up top five numbers with uh, Devontae out of the lineup. Granted, I don't think A.J. Dillon was on the team for like half those games, but he's obviously going to be more involved in the passing game. But this offense itself is probably going to be more run heavy without Devontae uh, all season. So, And, and they're still probably going to be a 10-plus win team. Super Bowl contenders. So I, I think they're going to be a run heavy offense and similar to you, I have AJ Dillon getting more carries. So uh, it just, it, it's hard to get too excited about Aaron Jones at this RB 10 spot. It feels closer to the ceiling to me. I actually have him ranked RB 10, um, but I have Dylan yeah. ranked RB 20 and Dylan's going RB 26. So the better value in yep. my rankings is Dylan um, you know, so it's not anything against Jones. You just kind of, I'd rather, I, I still rather attack wide receiver or, or tight end, uh, at this part of the draft, just because they're, you know, again, it's kind of like 
a little bit with Eckler at the top, like it, it things, the, the range of outcomes is a little yeah. fragile here, like, as you said. Yep. Uh, okay, who we got at number 11? Javante Williams, and it's kind of the same deal. Like, talented guy, uh, should, you know, take a step forward in terms of his usage and, and his, you know, split with Melvin Gordon in year two, but Melvin Gordon's still on a team, and they, you know, they've said, hey, we're, we're, he's still going to be involved in, in the offense. You know, maybe he doesn't get 200 plus carries again, but uh, I still think he's, you know, he could, you know, get double digits most weeks. And so, again, just not ideal um, for, you know, drafting a running back this high. Like, you still kind of want those, those, those like locked in workhorses. You don't really want a committee back this high, especially when, like you said, you could get, those wide receiver ones who you can't replace. Like if Javante Williams goes down, Melvin Gordon's in our, you know, a borderline RB one while he's out, but you're not going to be able to replace the wide receivers that, that you could pick in in this range. So nothing against Javante, but I just not, not my favorite pick uh, here. Yeah. He's, uh, he's so interesting because at RB 10, RB 11, it is, a bit risky because Melvin Gordon's there it was fun. You know, the first couple of months of the off season when they didn't sign Melvin Gordon. I mean, I had uh, Javante Williams is a top five back at that point. Plus, you know, this is going to be a Russell Wilson led offense. There's going to be more touchdowns to go around. So I think the offense is going to be a lot better. Uh, but yeah, Melvin Gordon's still there. I think it's going to be closer to a 60 40 split this year. Um, and Javante was able to put up the RB 17 numbers last year in a true 50 50 split. So I think that does represent closer to his floor. Um, and then if Melvin Gordon were ever to miss time, I mean, he has top five upside. We saw in his one start last year without Gordon in the lineup, he posted the RB1 overall numbers that week in week 13. So uh, we kind of got a taste of that. So he he's a rare back in this range that actually has upside if his backup gets hurt. Like if, if you look at Alvin Kamara, doesn't really have upside if Mark Ingram gets hurt. Same thing with, Fournette, Barkley, um, Montgomery. So these kind of guys, they're, they're kind of already at their ceiling, whereas Javante has more to go um, if Gordon were to miss time or if just Javante just runs away at the job this year, which is possible. So I can get behind Javante at RB11. I just wish he was going just a little bit later. Yeah, he's kind of a guy like when I'm drafting on best ball teams, like I want exposure to him. Yeah. But, you know, in a regular redraft league, I I still think I rather I, I feel more comfortable with the you know, the wide receivers going, you know, going where he's at. Uh, okay. The 12th and final running back in the top 12, Alvin Kamara. This is tough. Cause I mean, we expect them to get a six game suspension. We don't know when it will be. Um, so how are you kind of factoring that into your rankings? I have them, I have them outside the top 12. So 12 is, a. I get the, I get the appeal, you know, it's Alvin Kamara. Um, he's he's nasty, um, but uh, you know six games is a lot. Yeah, so that we always say that we we don't w- really want to take on risk this early in the draft. Mm-hmm. So why would I do that? Uh, I'm very confident in my ability to draft teams, so I can kind of make up value if I miss out on if Alan Kamara ends up playing all 17 games. So be it. He's not going to really be on many or any of my teams. Um, it's just at this point, just give me a guy like. Leonard Fournette, who can actually provide 17 games of value if he stays healthy. So I'm not a fan of taking on any kind of risk like that early on where, yeah, he could end up missing six games 
later in the season. So I, I'm usually shying away from players like that. Yeah, I mean, just some other names going around Alvin Kamara, CeeDee Lamb, Debo Samuel, Tyreek Hill, Mark Andrews, uh, and you mentioned Leonard Fournette. Um, so when you factor in the, the six missed games, I just, I can't find a way to get to, to, to 12. Yeah. I can get, I think I'm at 18. I, you know, I can, I can get there. And even then still not a fan uh, of really just kind of mortgaging, you know, six games worth of upside, um, you know, for the off chance that maybe the suspension, you know, it drags on and it, it, you know, whatever, but yeah. I, I just think same thing with DeAndre Hopkins. I just I don't think people are properly accounting for, um, you know, the missed games because when you when you plug the numbers in, that's a sizable chunk, and you know it's it's not it's not just super easy to replace a guy like Alvin Kamara, and it kind of throws I think it kind of just throws off your whole draft if if you have to now chase chase the those six games yeah with Hopkins I agree with you but at least we know that's the first six games that's the easiest time to replace a player because you don't really have many bye weeks everybody's healthy um so it's very easy or it's easier I should say to replace Hopkins whereas Kamara his suspension could come you know in the fancy playoffs we don't know when the hell or if it's going to come and that's way more difficult to replace so that's why that you know potential suspension is even worse in my opinion we actually have some extra time. So, you know what? Let's just keep going down the list. You know, we can uh, we can knock out some more of these guys. Leonard Fournette is up 13th. And I mean, I, I do want to ask you, you know, he had the negative, um, like, training camp, you know, what is the weight gain is like the Eddie, the old Eddie Lacy kind of situation. Yeah. Everyone's talking up Rashad White, but I, I don't know. I, I feel like they like Fournette. I don't think they're just going to give a rookie back, you know, a ton of snaps. Their, their offensive line is already kind of banged up. You know, they're going to need pass protection, but I'm, I'm with you. I, I would draft him over Alvin Kamara every time. Absolutely. And I, I had a feeling this uh, story of, you know, he's eating too many burgers would turn into a nothing burger. Uh, Cause he had, he had plenty of time to take that weight off. Come on. I, I, I wouldn't be able to do that, but I knew he would. And I said, like, if anything, this is going to make his ADP drop and make him even more of a great, target but i mean last year when he was healthy we're, we were both ranking him inside the top five every week yeah. right like his his usage was insane so yeah if if white sprinkles in a little bit more on passing downs you know so be it i, I still think lenny's going to be a low end rb1 massive touch on upside in this offense and brady likes him so I, I just think that uh you know lenny is sort of like a high floor high ceiling target uh right before i think that's when we really start to get some question marks um that rb 14 to like 20 range i mean i do like that most years that's what i call the frozen pond so it's it's a lot better than years past but certainly that's the range where you can start really poking holes in guys and leonard fournette i i can't poke any holes in his game right now yeah you know you got barkley elliott montgomery you know i think you know there's the the for Barkley and Elliott, you know, people are just kind of down on them, but they're still kind of floating around there. I mean, but you could, when it's all said and done, I just think once, after you get past, I would say Mixon, maybe Chubb, and, and like, they're mm-hmm. just, there's so many question marks about all of these guys that i rather, you know, to your point, kind of wait and take a guy a little further down on that list because, you know, Leonard Fournette could easily, you know, I don't want to say easily, but, <laughs> There's a very good possibility that a guy like Leonard Fournette 
could outscore a guy like Aaron Jones or a guy like DeAndre Swift or a guy like Javante Williams. You know, it could, they're all kind of in this, this kind of tier. It's not a frozen pond, but it's just, it's a tier where I feel comfortable waiting and getting someone near the, the back end of it rather than reaching for a guy in that, you know, RB eight, nine, 10 range. Yeah, absolutely. So do you think there's a, like, where is the frozen pond this year before we get out of here? Like where, where do you see it? That is a loaded question. I mean, so last year, so where like Zeke Akers, Montgomery, Gibson, Dylan, ETN, Brees Hall are going mm-hmm. guys like, Miles Gaskin, Mike Davis, Raheem Moser <laughs> were going last year. And obviously I was like, those guys are the frozen pond. You know, I, I was ranking them right there. I wasn't saying their rank is, you know, ridiculous, but it's just like they, they have such a low floor. All of those guys in that range that I just rattled off, like, I don't think they have that low of a floor. So I think the frozen pond would be like uh, J.K. Dobbins, Josh Jacobs, Clyde Edwards Hilaire a bit, but they're going late enough to where you're not really <laughs> going to be in too much trouble if they bust. But those are the guys that's sort of that range at 24 to 28 range, maybe Miles Sanders. But even then, like they're, they're going so late now because the RB2 here is so strong this year that I'm not really calling them frozen pond. But that's that's kind of the range I would consider uh, that label. Do, do you think of like there's is, is there a group this year that you would label that? Yeah, I think it, it, it's kind of in that same range, you know, Edwards, Ware, you know, you just don't quite know. I mean, you, you loved him a couple of years ago. It's just kind of been going downhill. You got Devin Singletary, great year, uh, great finish to the year. But yeah. I, I'm hearing noise about Zach Moss. We know they got they drafted Cook. <laughs> yeah, um, like then, Cordell Patterson would be the ideal. Like if he was RB20, mm-hmm. I would say he's frozen pond. But the, the market's so sharp this year that he's, what is he like RB 32, which seems about right. So I just don't see any like red flags where typically the ADP gave us some doozies Uh, like last year, Ronald Jones being ranked ahead of Leonard Fournette. I think I was calling that out as much as possible. I don't really see anything like that this year. So if you missed out, let me ask you this then. Uh, If you missed out on one of those top six and like, how comfortable would you feel? And let's say you mix that miss out on um, mixing as well. So you miss out on those top seven backs. Um, how comfortable would you be essentially going for? I mean, many would kind of call it a zero RB, but you really just kind of taking what the draft gives you. But like, how comfortable are you this year? Because I'm you, you, to your point, running back is kind of deep where if you can get like, you know, a, a wide receiver one and like two wide receiver twos, mm-hmm. like, I, I don't know if I'd be, feel that. Um, worried taking maybe three shots at these, you know, those yep. kind of lower tier running backs and just hoping two of them, two out of the three hit. Oh, absolutely. That's, that's when I would turn into zero RB. That's why I don't subscribe to any of them, but I'm very comfortable in that state. And I've had a few drafts where I've done that, right? Like I get Dylan, mm-hmm. uh, Kareem Hunt and Tony Pollard as my top three. And then I'm loading up on the like backup running backs, but you're just taking as many shots as possible. Um, I would absolutely do that. There has been some times where like a Zeke Elliott or David Montgomery fall to RB 25. And I'm like, all right, you know, this is ridiculous. I'll take them there, but I am absolutely okay. Just punting it through that, you know, RB 14 to RB 22 range if, you know, needed. And if again, like if none of these guys fall like way too low, um, but yeah, I'm very confident in my ability to just target these high upside running backs. Just looking at my, uh, 
running back upside chart. You can kind of copy what I'm doing, but I like to get target those like A plus to B plus players um, sort of in the middle of the later rounds. Yeah, man, I, I totally agree. All right, that's going to do it for us on this episode of the Fantasy Flex podcast. You can find Sean on Twitter at the underscore oddsmaker. You can find me at Chris Raybon. And you can find us at those same handles on the free award-winning Action Network app. Uh, make sure you stay tuned for our next episode. We'll have uh, Jake Seeley to talk running backs and, you know, maybe some frozen pond, maybe some not frozen <laughs> pond. I don't know. You know, it, it's, <laughs> it, it's, it's going to be exciting because, uh, you know, I think there's a lot to choose from uh, out of that, uh, you know, running back 12, 13 and on. So stay tuned for that. ActionNetwork.com is where you can find our projections, rankings, Sean's uh, upside running back uh, piece and all that good stuff. So uh, until next time, let's get this money.